Welcome to Fresh Takes on the Future of Work. We are focused on fresh perspectives from business and HR leaders about the future of work. Fresh is an acronym for freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness. Values core to operating in the future of work. We'll tie back to these while exploring interesting stories and actionable ideas. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jess Pagoni. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Luna, a team OS for the modern employer, redefining connection and productivity through systematized web-based personal operating profiles combined with AI dashboards. Our guest today is Dan Parsons. Dan is the co-founder and chief platform officer of Thoughtful, whose mission is to help enable all organizations to free their workforce. Thoughtful creates and manages automated digital workers that supercharge the operations of their current customers across all major business functions, including revenue cycle, finance, legal, HR, IT, and beyond. As chief platform officer, Dan's responsibilities include strategic corporate development, product vision, and talent acquisition and retention. Dan, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Before we dive into the show, can you tell us a little bit more about you and your work at Thoughtful? I'm very fascinated by these automated digital workers. Yeah, sure thing. So at Thoughtful, we set out to help companies hire digital. And what that really means is we help them define opportunities where we can deploy what we call digital workers, which are comprehensive software robots which perform a lot of the more mundane tasks that currently, you know, they might have teams of employees do. And a lot of this is driven off of research that we've uncovered about the type of work that people like to do, where people find fulfillment. And then ultimately, you know, our bigger mission is to help improve the human condition and allow people to really spend their working time thinking on the more meaningful and more impactful problems that we as a civilization are you know coming across now and even into the future. It's fascinating and sort of something that's running through my brain. You'll have to tell me if this is accurate or not. Are are these little robots like pets for people? Do they sit on people's desks and they're hitting the keys? Or are these kind of in the computer? I'm I'm almost picturing that everyone has a sidekick now where they're this my robot will do that. Talk to me about how it works. Yeah. So your mental model about the sidekick is pretty accurate, really. So we want to make people superhuman. And we want them to optimize their day around where they get the most fulfillment. And we, we more think about it at the team level and at the company level. So as we think about companies, you know, from an operational perspective, there are likely massive cost centers that are just focused around having people doing lots and lots of high volume, but very repetitive workloads. And those are the areas where we can come in and really make a a massive impact, not only on the bottom line. So like we can drive unquestionable ROI where the economics are just no brainers for operators. But more importantly, the exciting part is then what do companies do with that savings? Like a lot of the times, you know, they're hamstrung on growth or moving their business forward strictly because of these, you know, operational costs that they have to do. So we can come in and we can find those pockets and those opportunities where we can enable them with digital workers to augment their existing workforce, which then allow them to reallocate those people, those dollars, 
uh, that mind share, that productivity, however the organization wants to optimize around that savings and that utility, they're able to do that to drive more critical and more like core parts of their of their mission. And just to give you like a little bit of a big picture, like how do, how do we quantify this across the workforce in the US? You know, right now there's 50 million roles or like jobs basically for people that are doing, you know, back office, centralized, non-critical thinking type of work that ultimately comes down to like a trillion and a half of wages. So imagine we could like redirect those 50 million people and we could put them in places, one where they're getting more fulfilled, they're working on more critical problems, they're able to use parts of the brain where they can like they can use creativity and all these things that research proves they get more engagement out of work. But it's also a trillion and a half of wages that we can free up and allow customers to invest in moving moving our societies forward versus being hamstrung to a cost center that's required for them just to deliver the goods and services of their of their current promise. Really interesting. And I you know the data right now around the great resignation shows that what people are leaving for, they're leaving jobs that they're in because they're looking for meaning at work. And they often want flexibility with that in some capacity, but it really is coming back to like, how am I spending my time? And am I doing it in a way that has meaning to me? And so if what you're doing is freeing up the capacity now for you don't need to be stuck in that job because we can upskill, reskill you or train you to be in another position or at least create the opportunity for you to pursue something else. So we're, we're seeing the trend, I think, globally already. People want more meaning at work. But how do we still need to do those mundane tasks? So you're filling that gap and hopefully pushing everybody up to that kind of next level of meaning at the same time, which is incredible. Yeah, and that's like that's being reported on currently. And as like we are thinking even more about the next generation of worker. So like what is every you know, what's everyone kids now who are like five through fifteen or like just getting born, what does the future of work look like for them? And like our mission is really to create a better entry point for them. So they don't have to come in and start at the bottom rungs of doing the more mundane things. But what if like your entry point could be where you're really flexing your brain muscles, you get to work on really important, meaningful problems because we are allowing computers to do what they do best, which is operate other computers. So like we're going to look back at ourselves, you know, in 20 years, and we're going to think it's silly that we're all sitting in front of these screens banging on keyboards like that's just really strange and all that is is a very slow cognitive way for us to move information from one thing to another from our brains into the computer where it's just you know a lot of that work of just moving from one data store to another data store by way of a software application it seems like very very legacy and what we want to do is build the fabric to really streamline that so we can get people out of the mix like let's get people out doing stuff that they enjoy doing Well, I think this is a great segue into our show today about the future of work. So we ask everyone the same five questions on the show. And Dan, my question for you is, are you ready to dive in? Let's do it. It is time to get fresh. All right, Dan, how do you define the future of work? I mean, for me, it's just from two vectors. It's like, what does work look like, both from the employee's perspective, you know, and and five to call it 25 years. So what is that journey going from like, how do we enter the market? And then how do we continue to grow and upscale as a contributor? And then it's also what does that look like from the employer's perspective? So what are the new companies look like? How do they operate? How do they 
provide career pathing? How do they unlock value for a greater society? So I think both of those views on work from the employer and the employee's perspective from the time horizon of, you know, it's called five to 25 years. Awesome. So if I were to give you a magic wand, what is one thing you would personally want to see change right now about work life? I think it's mainly about what do we feel at work? So I think we've all been in those places where like time flies and, you know, I call, call it deep work or, or what, whatever you want to call it, but it's more just, do you feel good? Like, do you come out of it and you just, you feel like you've actually made a, a dent in, you know, the world in a, in a small way? Are you creative? Are you engaged? Do you feel like you're making an impact? So if I could, I could raise a wand, I would say like, let's optimize the most amount of people around that feeling as we can. That's a good one. I really like that. As far as fresh takes go, so we've got freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness. Which area do you see as the most pressing right now as we look at the future of work and the evolving employer-employee dynamic? I mean, I think it's happiness. I think if we look at the employer, I think we can look at all of these symptoms of what we've feel is, is happening and like why we have people walking out of jobs, but we have more job opportunities ever and people are still trying to figure out how to hire and get seats filled. I think it just comes down to if people aren't happy at work. So I think like if we can prioritize that and like there's a lot of things that we could I think we like I have hypothesis on what we could do. And I think it's some of the things we talked about early is like how do we get people doing more creative? How can we align what they're doing to drive more impact? Like how can we just like make that more clear for what people are doing? And you know, there's enough big, hairy problems that we can all be organizing around to, I think, it unlock that type of feeling for employees. But I think at the end of the day, if you're happy doing something, you're naturally going to talk about it and it's going to attract the right people. So I think that seems to be a priority. Is your sense of why people are looking to be happier at work or looking for that meaning? Is it because we have so many of the more transactional or mundane tasks out there? Or do you think that it's something else? What do you think is the root cause of that? That's a big question. It's a big question. Like we can get really like kind of petty with it. I mean, I think it's two things. One, I think the expectations are also mismatched. I think, you know, we go down like the media story and social. I mean, there's a lot that make everyone feel like, what success looks like at work is like being a social media influencer or being super wealthy or i mean there's all these expectations i think which like people are just entering the workforce and not actually knowing what a hard day's work should be and i don't necessarily think like we need to directionally change that work should be hard like i think that should be like work is work like we're not we can't all just sit around and have a ton of fun and lay by the pool all day however I think if we can reorient around what do we work hard at, I think then we get closer to what that is. And I think that's the question that employers should start to think about is not should we make employees work hard or long or whatever, but it's more just like, what are we getting the work hard at? And can we make sure that we are having employees opt in for that experience? I think it's a lot about expectations. So I think if we can just make sure the right people are signing up and opting in for the right things then I think, you know, we will get a lot more of that fulfillment that we're looking for. Well said. And we need to resort everyone, so to speak. So I think that's a good segue as well into leadership. So how can managers really best navigate this future of work and help 
support employees in this great resorting that maybe should happen? Yeah, I think it's like everyone's lost. And I think where we see a lot of the issues, I think we're like we've over-indexed a lot on the employees know what they want at large. And I think it's just like a big identity crisis. So like what I actually think is we need more leadership. We need less democratization of what it should look like. I actually think we need more, a stronger sense of direction, more signal of what it means to work at a specific company. And then people actually can make the decision to opt into that or opt out of it. So if you can set more clear expectations and you can make that be broad and make that to, to apply to your mission, I think that's what people are looking for from my perspective is people to be actually more direct and to draw the line and make it very clear. This is what it means to work here. This is what is not successful at this. And then people are opting into experience that they want. And then I think it ultimately can tie down to people being happier because they're working at a culture that they ultimately signed up for. Dan, one thing I want to lean in on a little bit about what you shared is this identity crisis that people are going through. So I do think there's a lot of people who are like, I want to do something different, but I don't know what I want to do. And so then they just stay in this job and then they become disengaged and all the bad things that happen with that for organizations and for people. So this direct communication from leadership, I think, is a part of the answer for sure. But how can leaders even approach that in a way like it would be sort of scary for an employee to get a manager who says, hey, it feels like you're disengaged. Are you thinking about doing something different? Like (laughs) some people would be very nervous at that conversation. How can we normalize that? Like, how can we almost make that part of And like, I'll bring the robots back into the conversation. Like we literally are having robots do our work. So how can managers say, listen, things are changing rapidly. You might be too. And what recommendations do you have for people? Or have you ever been in that position? I mean, that is a deep question. I mean, I can talk a little bit about we do it thoughtful to be more clear around how people can opt into an experience. We make it opt-in. So it's like, we actually say, here are some of the behaviors that we align with as a culture. Here are like our North Stars. Here are some paths that we believe that if you're successful, you get to climb up. But here's also behaviors that don't align with our culture. And, you know, we recognize that not every company is for every person. So I think it's more making sure, like letting the employee opt in and let them say, this is something that I want to do. And if it's not, Then as a manager, as like a coach, then it's your job to actually help that person be successful, whether that's navigate to a new part of the organization, help break down barriers or give them exposure to things that they might get more fulfilled with. So I think it's it's needing to ask that question, but you can't do it on behalf of the employee. Like I think we need to set up frameworks to let employees make these decisions, raise their hand and make a safe space. And then we can help facilitate that transition. But it all starts with making sure that everybody wants to be there. Because I know if you don't want to be there as a manager, it's actually better for you to find that person that does want to be there. You owe that to the broader team. You owe that to whoever your stakeholders are. So I think it's it's really just like, yo, make sure the person wants to be in the seat. And then if they want to go navigate to other parts, then as a coach, you could then use your responsibility to help break down barriers, help them find that path. But a lot of times you got to put the responsibility back on you as the person. Like You need to own your own happiness. And I think that if we start there, these questions get easier. Because to flip your question, how much easier would it be if the employee showed up the next one-on-one and says, hey, I'm not fulfilled. 
but these are a couple things I would love to do. Can you help me? Now, all of a sudden, we're in the, yeah, I can help you. Let's start getting, I know, I see the motivation there. Right. It feels like Thoughtful has set the tone for that to be okay. And I think the more that organizations do that, that like you could show up to a one-on-one and be like, I don't want to do this job anymore, but I love this company and I want to do something else here. Let's make a path. That is what should be happening. It's normal for people to grow and change and evolve. People don't want to stay in the same role forever. But often I feel like the safe space is missing. So if you say that in some organizations, then more likely than being kind of coached up into a new role, you may just be coached out or exited altogether. So there's this safety that needs to happen. And the companies that do that, I think, are... And kudos to Thoughtful, like that's an incredible environment to be putting in place and the permission to the employee that they can operate in that manner means that they will be more authentic for you as members of your team, which is awesome. Yeah. And we're learning. Everything's got a trap. So it's like not, you know, there's no perfect way to do it. People are very dynamic. So, you know, we're, we're, that's part of what we're trying to figure out too. You know, we're very early stage startups. So we're trying to figure out how do we cultivate the right mindset so when people get in we are able to really unlock potential in folks and then also make sure everybody wants to be here and be able to identify the people that don't as well. For sure. So final question for you today, what is, or who is one company you admire for their fresh take? I mean, this was kind of a controversial thing a few months back, but Coinbase. So there's CEO Brian Armstrong. I mean, I think he kind of led the charge. It's like, Hey, no politics at work. It's like we are anchoring to our mission. Anything else is a detractor to that. So I think, you know, he kind of put his neck out there and I think he got some feedback from people that maybe didn't love that fresh take. But I think that's leadership. I think it's just like having the point of view, letting people know where they stand and what the culture means for that company, I think empowers then the employee to know where they stand and then they get to make that judgment to themselves on if they align with that or they don't. I think it's when you get in this murky water is where it's tough. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your perspectives with us today, Dan. I appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jess. It's been a pleasure. Can you share with our listeners how they can find you? Yeah. Thoughtful.ai. Hit up the website, learn more about Thoughtful. You can find me on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect. And then on Twitter. Twitter handle is Dan by day. Dan by day. We'll make sure we drop all that information into the show notes as well. And thank you again, Dan. It was a pleasure. I'm fascinated by digital workers now. I definitely have the mental model of my little like digital dog sitting on my desk, helping me do all the mundane tasks, but really appreciate your time. And thanks for sharing. Thank you. Had a blast. Thanks everyone else for listening in. And don't forget to stay fresh.